Hello and welcome to the Unbundled Attorney Mastermind Podcast. My name is Dave Ahrens and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Unbundled Attorney. In this podcast, we interview many of our provider attorneys, as well as some of the leading experts in the industry to isolate the best practices for building internet-generated leads and how to ethically and effectively offer unbundled legal services and other more affordable options in your practice. For more information about our services, visit www.unbundledattorney.com. All right, just another great episode to share with you today. Just so pleased with uh, all the different guests we've had on the show. So many great ideas, so many suggestions. Get a lot of great feedback from you, the listeners, on uh, how it's impacted your practice and some of the things you've taken away and, and helped you with serving more clients more affordably, running your practice in a more streamlined fashion. So we really appreciate the feedback. If you haven't yet left us a review on iTunes, you just you know go in your iTunes and write a review and tell us what, you, what you've learned from the podcast. We really appreciate the feedback. But today we're going to be talking with uh, Matt Rosen, who is one of our provider attorneys out of northern New Jersey. Uh, he's been practicing for about four years. He's still relatively new in the practice of law. He started a partnership with a good friend of his two years ago. And he has the sales gene. Uh, we talk about that on the episode, but his father was a, a corporate salesman, started you know working the streets of New York City selling Greenpeace when he was a kid and you know, as, and along the way has learned a great deal about sales, the fundamentals that make it work, and how to, you know, close the deal. You know, and in, in legal services, in a legal space, no one wants to refer themselves as salespeople, but ultimately lawyers sell their services. You know, that's what they're doing here. And so how you communicate with your clients, develop rapport, instill confidence, work around the financial barriers, and ultimately uh, convince clients that, you know, you're the right attorney and good fit for them is how you build your practice one client at a time. And so we really hit on some of the underpinnings that make a sales call, uh, that initial consultation, work. And some of the things that he's learned along the way uh, that have really made a difference in his ability to convert leads into paying clients. He converts about 40% of his leads into paying clients consistently uh, and shares how he does it. So let's get right into it. This interview with Matt Rosen, one of our provider attorneys in Northern New Jersey. All right, Matt. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Yeah, I'm really glad we're getting a chance to to to, uh, to connect today and and to dive into, you know, the evolution of this relationship. I know you guys are pretty fresh in the, you know, relatively speaking, in the in the practice of law, and this has certainly helped with with launching these things to a certain degree. The, the lead generation has certainly helped with launching your practice to a certain degree. So I really appreciate you jumping on to share, you know, how it's impacted things, the ways in which you work with clients, and and uh, and some whatever other ideas we we like to bring to the table. So thanks again for taking the time. Of course. So a good place to start, uh, Matt. Maybe you could just give a little bit of background on how you got your start in the practice of law. How long you've uh, you had your practice going? Maybe talk a little bit about your partner and uh, and also the focus area of your practice and the region you serve. Sure. Uh, my name is Matt Rosen. I'm from Northern New Jersey. Uh, been out of law school for four years. My law partner's also been out of law school for four years. Uh, we have a two-man law partnership that um, advertises as general practice. Although I do probably eighty. 80% family law, and my law partner does about 80% civil litigation. We make up the difference and do various other miscellaneous stuff. We've been out out on our own practice now for a little less than two years. Uh, we both went to Rutgers School of Law in Newark. 
I was in the Peace Corps before law school, so so people say, why did you go to law school? And and I was living in a mountaintop in Peru, and I, I wanted to come home and, and not be unemployed and aimless, so I ended up applying to law school. I'd already taken the LSATs in college, came right home from the Peace Corps, and went straight to law school. As far as with Unbundled, we've been uh, accepting and taking leads uh, now for seven months with Unbundled, and we've been having pretty good success with it. So, so it's it's allowed us to very quickly in our practice. You know, we've been less than two years, like I said, to establish a family law practice that because of the nature of family law cases, there's usually a retainer and, and it's an hourly agreement, is steady work and dependable work. It, it frees up the practice to send my partner out into civil litigation and take contingency cases. So it definitely helps us to round out a general practice here in northern New Jersey. I don't know if I answered your question, but I guess that's my uh, two-minute elevator speech. Yeah, that gives a little bit of context on you know how you guys got your start and the structure of things. You know what what, <laughs> what interests me, or at least is a is something I'd love to dive into a bit about, is not you know why you guys started the practice of law, but uh, what drew you to working with the Peace Corps and uh, hanging out in South America. For anyone that's heard you know my, the interview where Sue interviewed me, I mean, as a company culture, we have a distributed team, and you know most of the guys that work with us, including my partner, we all work from various different places in the country and you know often other countries as well as we run the run the uh, the company and so I've been through all throughout South America and Peru so what was it that drew you to drew you to the Peace Corps and what were you doing for him well the Peace Corps is a very special program I looked at it as a way to serve my country and I have a reformed Jewish background that preaches a concept called Takuna Lum which means to repair the world and, and I wanted to do a service project after college I was confident that the two years I spent ultimately wouldn't sent me back too far, wanted to learn Spanish, wanted to travel the world, and also wanted to serve my country. So I, I knew I wasn't going to do the Marines, so I ended up in the Peace Corps. I'm very proud that I did it, but I was also very proud and happy to come home. It was a long time away from my family, and, and you know, Costco's and electricity and, and, and uh, running water and clean water you can drink are, are all wonderful things as well, and I was very, it made me appreciate all that we have here stateside so much more. So glad I did it, glad it's behind me. I think it's very, it's very useful for the practice of law in that I had to learn to be comfortable in, in a foreign type environment and I had to learn to be self sufficient and, you know, have my wits about me and learn another language and it was it was a good uh, character building experience. Um, and allows me to bond with potential Hispanic clients, not to mention not that I would ever say that's why I did it. Yeah, man. I, I, it reminds me of you know every time I come back from South America or Indonesia or you know, different various different you know, countries that don't have the the modern niceties, or at least to the degree that we have in the U.S., and it's always just shocking how clean the streets are and how nice the cars we drive and the SUVs and so forth and the running water. And it helps you appreciate, like you said, you know, a lot of those things that you know otherwise go unnoticed. And Absolutely, I think everybody have should have to do a, sur- a service project. It was it was a great experience, and and I'm glad I did it. But like I said. I'm too old for it now. I'm I'm 30, 30, turning 31, and, and even that would be too old to go live where I live. Because I did live in a quite a rural and um, different, different. Because the, where they send the Peace Corps volunteers is is not, you know, nice Peru. It's where they need a Peace Corps volunteer to where they where they can help them out. Yeah, it can be pretty raw. That's for sure. This is some of the places we've been as well. 
Okay, so you've got the, the practice off the ground. It's been a couple of years. You know, certainly it's been fueled by some leads in the last, you know, seven or eight months or so, however long we're working together. A lot of attorneys, you know, may have had a very traditional approach to running their firm, you know, big up firm retainer, billing it by the hour, and, and you, you train in a very traditional way of working with folks in that manner. And usually when they start working with the, you know, these leads and working with us, they tend to adapt the way, obviously, you know, in responding to clients much quicker and also the types of options they may be offering, typically a more affordable approach for folks to be able to, you know, move forward and retain them. Um, so that's, you know, I thought where would be a good place to start is, sure. is, is, so, is how so when you adapted your practice. Yeah. Graham Scott, who was, who was uh, the employee that bundled, initially contacted us. You know, we had initial hesitation. Do we want to pay per lead? Uh, how are we going to handle the leads when they come in and, and unbundled Graham was great about about giving us a script uh, to go off of but ultimately having a robotic script will only get you so far you still have to think on your feet you still have to actually connect and talk with the leads as they come in in terms of what has changed from that initial those initial first couple calls isn't necessarily what was said it's the confidence in saying it and also, to some extent, now I have a, a real set process for when a lead comes in. So a lead will come in, I will either be sitting at my desk and available, or I won't be. Unfortunately, you can't turn the lead off, you know, in the middle of the night. So, so sometimes they come in the middle of the night, and there's really nothing I can do until I wake up and see that lead. But for the leads that come in during the day, I immediately call the number. If they don't pick up, I will immediately call them again. If they don't pick up again, I will text message, I will email. And what has changed since the initial process is that I have all of these emails as emails and text messages, and even the voicemails that I leave are kind of standardized at this point. You know, so I have the, it, it's almost, I, I know exactly what's going to happen at this point as opposed to just calling and hoping I get somebody and then saying, hi, I saw your request for legal services. Uh, my name's Matt, you know, and running with it as opposed to that. Now I have a much more polished set of documents that goes out in the event I don't reach that person with the initial call. Yeah, and this is what I think lead generation in general lends itself well to building systems like this because the process is is very not repetitive but very consistent the leads come in it's always delivered with the same delivery method the response is going to be relatively generic because everyone's dealing with a very specific relatively it's family law within a specific realm of a type of case they're working on and so some of these things can start to become standardized and optimized Right. If you do Absolutely. something enough times, you can start to really refine a strategy for optimizing and you know, maximizing a specific model. As far as pushing the unbundled services, um, I, do try, I do try to my best ability to, to figure out in that initial call, is this something that is legal services something that this, this potential client is looking to spend money on? Um, and you, you have to you have to figure that out very quickly, um, and that's one of the hardest parts of you know everybody is they're they're contacting you they're putting their information in because they need legal services but but are they willing to pay for it you know that's the question and you can explain somebody I can do this unbundled legal services um, you know if I'm going to get a marital settlement agreement to you it's going to be you know seven hundred to fifteen hundred dollars and if if they balk or if they don't have a car to to get to you. Uh, there are some signs that, that I've learned, you know, how to not waste my time as well. 
I've gotten better at screening who who is serious about, you know, they're calling me because yesterday they got served with a divorce and, and they're just they were just looking for a lawyer in earnest on the internet versus somebody who's called fifteen lawyers already and just looking for as much free help as they can get. It's out there here at least in North Jersey, not to disparage our potential clients, but but this is a business. Yeah, absolutely. And so maybe we can unpack that a bit, Matt, as far as the process or some of the questions you might ask or some of the telltale signs on whether you have someone, you know, I guess in sales we call it, you know, a qualified prospect instead of a suspect, where you can start to identify whether this is someone that um, you know, you're going to spend some time with, you're going to direct them accordingly, give them some sound advice, and then, you know, probably get off the phone because they're not quite in a position to afford even maybe an unbundled service or a smaller low initial retainer and payment plan and so forth. Or is it someone that, you know, is seriously looking at retaining someone to assist them with their case and has at least, you know, a, some degree of resources to do so? So are there some questions you might ask or how do you uh, determine that? The first gateway to figuring that question out is figuring out what type of case is it to begin with. I find that the matrimonial cases tend to have more money than the cases where we're dealing just with child support and the parties were never married. Some of it is geographical. What county is this case coming from? Uh, some of it is comes in questions such as, you know, is there any history of domestic violence that I need to know about? If they start, you know, listing, well, he just got out of jail, you know, maybe maybe he doesn't have money for, for legal services. Some of it is just asking them, you know, we've been on the phone for five minutes now, and, and can I ask you how much have you set away for potential legal services to deal with this very important issue that you have in your life? Some of it is how persuasive, can you get a sense from it, how important this is to them? Um, if you say something like, we can fight over child support, but parenting time is priceless. So, so how, how much money have you set away to try and get more parenting time? And, you know, there's a couple times in life where you need to, you know, I can't tell you, but there's a couple of times in, in life where I would want an attorney and, and certainly fighting over parenting time with my child would be one of them. And if they're nodding their head yes when you say that type of thing, you know, that can be a sign that there's, that there's some money there and they're looking for full representation as opposed to unbundled services. Sometimes clients will tell you point blank. They'll say, uh, I'm calling you because I'm looking for somebody who can do a cheap divorce. And then, and then they want to know what, what that process is and why anyone would ever pay more than the unbundled services is completely beyond them. So they're calling you with this preconceived notion that a lawyer really just wants to rob them and, and doesn't want to help them at all. Then you have to break down that barrier and say, actually, you know, especially with the matrimonial and the cheap divorce uh, clients, you say, you know, you can have a cheap divorce, but it's going to be up to you and another party. And we have to negotiate what's called, at least in New Jersey, a, a matrimonial settlement agreement for the judge to sign off on that. If we can do that, then yeah, let's let's do a cheaper, cheap divorce. I'm all for that. If not, here's a couple different ways this could balloon out of control. You know, it's it's not a perfect system in terms of check, 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 check. Okay, now I know that this person has money, um, you know, and, and therefore I, I'm going to put the screws to them. It's a very delicate conversation that you need to treat the client with respect. And if you do that and you bond with them and you show them, you know, different prices are because of different services, not because, you know, they're arbitrary numbers I'm picking out of a hat. Even if they are arbitrary numbers I'm picking out of a hat, 
you need to explain why one thing would cost more than another. And if you can do that, and if you can earn their trust by being a genuine person who comes off as somebody that that's going to care about their legal issue, um, oftentimes you can get somebody who might not even think they have the money to pay you to help them uh, with their family law issues. Because these things are priceless to these clients, especially the custody, especially parenting time. That stuff people will really spend money to fight over if they see a path to winning. And oftentimes our job is to tell them, I know you want sole custody of your child, but the father or the mother has a constitutional right, and you're probably not going to get that. And you have to. And sometimes you have to talk clients out of spending a little money, even if they want to. Even if they want to pay you, and you know you're not going to help. It's it's the ethical thing to take a quick look at their case and tell them, I would take this uh, if you want to pay me to do it. It's it's worth a shot, but you, your likelihood of winning might not justify the cost. Um, so all, it really is about build as quickly as possible building that relationship with a client um, where they don't want to just take advantage of you for free information. They know that you can be helpful to them, um, and and therefore they want to hire you because they want that help. Uh, it's not a perfect it's not a perfect system, uh, but it does it does get better over time in terms of your feel for it uh, or the salesman's feel for it. Um, I have found that I'm getting better. I'm wasting less time on on the initial intake than I used to be. Um, although some clients, you know, you can spend a lot of time on them and you'll still lose. Uh, you'll still lose them. And some some clients, you know, you'll think you'll think that they have no money, and then you'll go to end the conversation, and and they'll say, "Look, okay, I like you. You're hired." So it's it's. It's uh, it's the dealings of emotions and relationships, and, and it's up to you, the attorney, to put it in their head how you can help them and create that value proposition in their head where they want to sign up for you. Um, it's, it's definitely not an exact science, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, and it sounds like over time you develop a capacity to, to better develop rapport with each client and, and do it also efficiently i mean i think once you've identified some basic things about whether the person is you know is working and has you know is at least in a position to do something and is serious about moving forward with your case then you can invest a little bit more time but the earlier you can establish that maybe you're not going to be able to help the person i mean it'd be for for it to be financial or legal matters you know the sooner you can establish that you know the better but certainly once you've established that hey you know this is this seems like someone that i may be able to help and you know and has the resources to at least do something uh to to get them in that direction then you can start to take a little bit more time to develop that rapport and and develop that confidence in their ability to in your ability to serve them in the beginning when you first start with unbundled there's this uh pressure at least there was from my end because you know i I, we had a new practice going on and we were throwing spaghetti at the wall with advertising dollars and there's this pressure for each lead i'm pay i know exactly what each lead costs so i want to get that much back from each lead um and and i do think that over time the pressure did come off a little bit um because i saw that it the leads averaged out and I, it took a little bit of pressure off each individual lead and and if you if you're not trying to i don't, I don't know exactly what i'm trying to say there but but i i think in the beginning i, I was putting a little too much pressure on each individual lead as opposed to big picture how am i approaching every lead and 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 uh 
you know, not losing my mind over one lost one or, or whatever. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, I really do get where you're coming from on that, uh, because, you know, people can kind of get a sense for whether you are there to, uh, I don't want to say convince them, but basically uh, persuade them to move forward with your services, or if you're on the phone and you're relaxed and you're there just to serve them and figure out, you know, is this a good fit? Can you fit this in your budget? Do we seem like a good fit to work together? Okay, let's move forward. Like, there's almost a different energy, and and I really get the sense that, you know, at the beginning, because you know maybe funds were tight and you needed to see an ROI to make that work, you know that it's really difficult when you're in you know a tighter position financially, personally, or maybe just you know you you have a, a limited amount of spend you can put in to get something started, that it can be really difficult to or challenge to kind of let that go as best as you can. And to just be on the phone, and that's not that's easier said than done. Uh, and it's easier said than done, certainly. Yeah. So my father, my father's a corporate salesman, um, and and sales sales is really an art, and 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 it's you know now that we have Amazon.com and and you know UnbundledAttorney.com, uh, people expect to go online and just you know pick out their attorney and click buy and then have an attorney, but that's not really how the legal profession works. It's all based on relationships, and and you know even if you sell that client. You, you, it's not a guarantee that they stay with you unless you actually convince them that you're on their team and you're fighting for them. Um, and that starts from the first conversation. Um, and, and, and to some extent starts with how quickly you get on that first conversation. Um, if you put off that first call, not only will the lead likely die, but you're also telling the client that... Um, you know their matter wasn't that important to you, so so get it. You got to get on the leads quickly, or they go away. And then, you know what I'm also getting the sense of is that you know once you were able to have some confidence in knowing that the numbers are the numbers. There's a lot of averages that's at play here. The leads are priced accordingly because we know roughly what the conversion rate is, and it all pencils out in the end. That you could, to a certain degree, relax. And just know, Absolutely. hey, this is a numbers game. I don't have to push. I don't have to press. I don't have to persuade too hard because you're going to get enough clients that, that want to pull the trigger and want to hire you. And they have real legal situations and they're working and they may need a little bit more flexibility when it comes to what they what they can pay up front and so forth. But people, these issues are real. The people are real. The money's there. You know, And so you can almost kind of let go streaky. of that need. Yeah, it, It's streaky. So, so, you know, we might get one bat if we break them up into bat Batches of ten, we might get one batch where we hit seven leads, and we pull them in for some some service. And then, you know, a week later, uh, I'll be talking to my partner. I'll say, you know, it, it seems like I haven't hit a lead in in ten ten leads. Um, so so there's definitely times where we're down on it, and there's definitely times where we're 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 thrilled with it. Um, and and part of our job as attorneys is is to well, at, at part of our job as self-employed attorneys is to trust in that law of averages that you were talking about. And it's, we have to believe in ourselves as well that if we're in a cold streak, you know, maybe, maybe it's not just us, you know, but, but we, we, we have found that, that it's streaky and, and, and we've also found that the law of averages holds true. So we have stuck with it and, and we, we're pretty happy we have generally, because like you said, they are, they are real cases that come in and to some extent, uh, at least with divorce and child custody and child support, 
these issues sell themselves. Uh, these people know they need an attorney um, and know that it's not a luxury. Sometimes we get cases where, you know, people have already started their case and, and, and realize that they, that they need an attorney, you know, midway through because they're getting hammered by another well-represented side. It's not that people don't aren't looking for legal services. They are looking for legal services. They're looking for pe- they're looking to not pay a lot for it. And then it's up to us to sell them on here's why it costs so much or here's what you need and here's what it will take and and this is what it costs. I feel like sometimes I'm rambling a little bit, so I apologize to the listeners, but it's it's not rocket science. These these people need legal help. Oftentimes they know it in their core that they need legal help. And if you can clearly communicate to them that you can do it for them at a fair price and you'll stick with them and be by their side and fight for them and, and this is what you went to school for and you love this type of work, they're going to hire you. It's, it's a question of, of conveying that as quickly and, and effectively as possible. I have found that getting them, getting them on the phone is great. If I can get them in front of me in the office, that's better. And oftentimes, you know, something's a rush. You know, some people, people are calling you and they've got a week left to get in an answer. And it's like, are you going to hire me or not? So, so, you know, every, every single case is different, um, which is why the screening process must be so hard on your end. It's a, it's a wild world of family law out there. And, and, it's not rocket science. It just they just need a little reassurance. These clients that they can do it for the unbundled, and and they need more handholding for the for the full blown legal services. Yeah, I'd like to unpack the the options a bit here in just a second, but there's something that's been kind of sticking with me from from earlier on when we were chatting. Is you know when you first get started, there's this you know, need to enroll these clients and, and get the fee, you know, the lead cost back and, and you're trying to figure out how to get the client to make a decision to retain you versus once you've got a, you know, a number of cases under your belt and you know the numbers are there, you can have a lot of confidence. There's a tactile difference in the way you relate to each call. What's interesting to me and I, w- I want to see if we can try to isolate on this call, Matt, is what is that difference like for example, if you you know, I know this is weird, but if you were to have a conversation with, you know, Matt from when you first started, and, no, and now you're you know fast forward seven months, you know the numbers are there and so forth. What advice would you give to that lawyer, either yourself or another lawyer that's just getting started, as far as how they're relating to the clients, where where you're sitting now, and the space you embody when you make those calls today, as opposed to when you were first getting started and relating in more in more of that kind of convincing tone or convincing approach. Can we quantify that to a certain degree on how it feels? So even though I, I clerked in family court coming out of school, I, there's a lot of stuff that I had never done in my practice. And quickly, the unbundled leads allowed me to see a lot of different kinds of motions and a lot of different kinds of uh, pleadings and 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 uh, paperwork that I had not been exposed to quickly. So, so I will say that Unbundled helped me get my actual competency up pretty quickly because I was seeing more cases than I would have seen not just on other traffic. Other advertising income revenue streams is what I mean by that. So I started getting into court more for family court and definitely built a, a competency just off of more experience that Unbundled allowed me to get. And I don't think that I any amount of talking to past Matt for, from the future Matt 
um, <laughs> would have been able to assist in that as quickly. So some of it absolutely is just actual confidence from actually going and handling different kinds of matters that I hadn't seen before because I am such a new attorney. Another thing is uh, the business picked up because because we're this two-man law partnership and the uh, the matrimonial and family work that we get through unbundled or through other sources is steady type of work that we can depend on that you usually we take a retainer and, and work off of. You know, that dependable revenue stream has freed up the practice in other areas to go and do more civil litigation, do more criminal defense. Um, so by having this kind of family law work in particular that is steady work, it's freed up the practice in other areas that has also taken the pressure off. We started we started our law firm less than two years ago. And if you talk to anyone that has started a law firm in less than two years, they will tell you they are very stressed out. And part of uh, me becoming less stressed out through Unbundled, you know, just has, has to do with me becoming more confident as an attorney out in the world at all, uh, because I'm, you know, now I have four years experience as opposed to two, which is, you know, a big difference when it's a, it's a 200% difference. Um, so, so certainly time has been a factor in my confidence. I've always had the sales gene to begin with. Um, like I said, my, my father's a salesman. Um, I've, I've had many sales jobs in the past and, and some, and I think it really, it, it really just has to do with becoming comfortable with, with the material and, and becoming comfortable with the sorts of clients that make up Bergen and Essex County and, and, uh, Morris County, New Jersey, which are my counties and, and becoming more comfortable in my own skin as a lawyer. Um, and I, I do think that Unbundled has helped greatly with that, uh, because I do, I do talk to you know I'm probably getting uh, seven or eight leads a week and and you know that's one more intake every week and every every day really and and every day I'm getting a little better at it and you know it's just practice you're gonna get better at anything you do once a day yeah in a way uh, that the lead generation almost compresses time because you're talking to so many folks and seeing so many different kinds of cases so quickly, you know, especially for someone that's new to the, newer to the practice of law, your your experience points are going to be going up, you know, pretty quick when you're able just to sure. see so much volume of uh, of different types of folks and different types of matters. I don't work in an office. I mean, I, I work in a beautiful office. I rent space from an insurance defense firm, but I don't work with other family lawyers, and this allows me. I'm still young enough that older established attorneys don't look at me as too threatening. So, so you know, if I see something that's interesting and I can call up, you know, a mentor from either law school or from uh, the Temple Brotherhood or, or just somewhere else, you know, I, I, it gives me more to talk about. It makes me more interesting. And, and you know, that all snowballs. If you, if you have what's to talk about with other attorneys and, and engaging other attorneys, you expand your network and, and grow your business. It, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's almost a field of dreams situation. You really, if you're going to start your own law practice, you have a, you have to have a lot of resiliency. You have to have a lot of conf, inner confidence that it's all going to work out for you, and you have to go out and execute. And I'm lucky. I'm, I'm blessed to have my law partner in this with me. I, if I was doing this alone, I think it would be an even scarier prospect to take leads per dollar as opposed to you know, splitting that cost with a law partner and, and letting the chips fall where they may. 
I could I could go on for two years on 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 starting a law practice itself. I, I know we want to keep this to the leads, but really, my only message is is it's it's one part of our practice. Um, the leads are real; they're definitely real. They're real people calling us up, and if we sell them or we don't sell them, that's on us to some extent. And you know, you have to take that mentality and bring bring your A game to each one of these initial calls. Um, and if you do that, we've found that you know we can get thirty to thirty-five percent of our of our leads converted to something, and you know, probably twenty percent of the leads are signing up for full full-blown representation. And if we get one of those, it's more than breaking even, and it's it's been a real asset to our young firm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, which is absolutely. why I'm making time to do this interview and, and helping you guys out here, I think. So, you know, we are very appreciative and glad that glad that this relationship has uh, came to our attention. So. Yeah. Well, we're really happy with the work you're doing for the folks we're sending in the northern New Jersey area. And, and so it's, it's worked out really well for, for the folk, for clients, for us and for you as well. So I appreciate and I also appreciate you taking the time to extract and try to you know, narrow down what it is that's, that you're doing that, that's working so well and, and what you've learned in the process. One of the things that, that came up a little earlier is you mentioned that, that sales gene. And I think you're right that to some degree, people have a gift with words. People have an ability to communicate and they like... I don't know if they like people, but they just kind of get along. They have a charisma. They have an ability to communicate. They are wordsmiths, you know. And I would say that you know I'm very much a sanguine type of personality. I like to communicate with people. I like words. I use a lot of words and and love to get on the phone. And but other people are a little more analytical. So I think to a certain degree we're born with a certain amount of sales capacity. And then everything beyond that, whether you're you're low in it or high in it, can be certainly cultivated and and learned. And so what I'd like to try to maybe we can bring some attention to or, you know, throw out some ideas. You know, I, I, I kind of got the sense from some of the books you were talking about listening to when we were first jumping online that personal development has been a cornerstone of or, or at least an influence on you as far as developing your sales, lawyering and, and all these other abilities as well. So, you know, where you're listening to books on tape and so forth and cultivating an improvement, you know, day to day improvement in your skills and ability to communicate and relate to folks. For someone that maybe either doesn't have that, you know, sales gene or isn't such, such so good at communicating or does and wants to improve that, are there anything, things that you found, whether it be books, trainings, or just, you know, ideas or strategies that you found that have been really influential? I mean, maybe you can talk about some of the things that you learned from your father or some of the books you read, whatever it may be that comes up for you that's really helped to cultivate and to continue to improve upon that, that sales capacity. Sure. So in the summer of 2007, I had the hardest job in the entire world, which was I was a canvasser for the nonprofit Greenpeace on the streets of New York. Yeah. And my job was to and my job was to stop New Yorkers and get them to give me my credit card information for the non-product of, you know, ensuring in those people's mind that someone would be lobbying for the environment in Congress. <laughs> so so it, if you could imagine um, if you could imagine how difficult it is to sell an idea, this was one of the hardest jobs. People people I mean it's a, it's a labor of love. People people burn out of that job after the second day uh, because they're told by New Yorkers to go you know, paddle up river and, and they take it the wrong way. Um, so, so some amount of it certainly is, 
um, getting over your fear of rejection. Um, I don't think that's anything new to anyone uh, who's, you know, even looked at any basic sales book. You got to get over the idea that no is the end of the story. Uh, you, if if somebody tells you no, you got to figure out why they told you no, and then either convince them uh, you understand their concerns, but um, or you know, is it is it a legit is it a legit no, and and uh, you know, move on. You have to get over no whenever you're selling anything. Um, you know, if people don't want to buy something from you, it's not personal. They might not be able to, um, they might never buy something for you, or they might buy something from you in the future. Several times have come up already where leads that I thought were dead have said to me, uh, you know, we had such a nice conversation, I, I wasn't ready to do it, but, but now I'm ready. And, and I've turned clients that were no's into yeses just by waiting. In terms of, you know, what's the golden rule for sales, it's certainly the getting over no. I I think that's the number one. And then the number two would be respecting the client. On the other side, um, you know, you got to give them enough enough rope to make a decision and respect them so they stay in the conversation with you. I truly believe that if somebody's calling me for legal advice, they're already sold on needing an attorney and they're just looking for the right one. So, so at least in this industry, it's about making your, your potential client comfortable with you. It's, it's not necessarily, I'm not selling Apple products and somebody else is selling Windows products. To some extent, um, the product of negotiating a marital settlement agreement will be very similar no matter the attorneys that do the work, and it, and it really just comes down to a matter of liking your attorney. So, so we, you have to have the confidence that you can help the client and and be willing to advocate for you know that ability and and do so without hesitation. Other things that help in sales are are you know really simple stuff that not everybody takes to heart. You got to comb your hair every day. You got to keep your shoes polished. You gotta you gotta look presentable, especially if you're a young attorney like me. You know you want to look like. This isn't your absolute first case, uh, even if it is. So, so appearances definitely count. You know, you got to create one seamless package. So, so your internet presence needs to match up with your actual appearance, needs to match up with your demeanor on the phone, and you, you need to brand yourself as a professional attorney. That takes some amount of, of knowledge, too, because they don't necessarily teach you how to buy a suit that fits you in law school and it's an, it's an important it's an important part of the equation um, and then and then the other thing is you need to be able to there's some amount of clients that want you to speak to the issues and they want you to know you, what are the 20 factors of equitable distribution and and if you can't list them off the top of your head uh, they'll go to an attorney who can um, so you have to be knowledgeable in in the area. What what is your product going to do for me? Not just I, I believe that you believe that your product's great, but what's actually going to happen? And they're looking for somebody to tell them it's going to be okay. And so, at least for some of these family law issues, the attorney to some extent plays uh, mental health therapist. Obviously, not licensed, but you know you're helping your clients through these emotional times, and you have to assure them that they're not the first person to get divorced, and and you know there's there's procedures that will happen, and no, they won't never see their kid again, um, and and you know just being a calming, stabilizing force. Um, I don't don't think there's a magic bullet. I think that every person 
who has sold something is sold it for their own different reasons. And it's about finding those reasons and, and getting over no. And if you can, finding out why there was a no. And just being trustworthy and well put together and, and available, if all that makes sense. Yeah, I think you, you summed it up right there at the end with you know those those cornerstones that are key. And then it really just comes down to... You know, looking at it from the perspective of the client and being honest and transparent. You know, I think that would be the only thing I would add to that equation is just, you know, really being in their shoes and and thinking about whether this is a good fit for them or not. Should they move forward? Should they not? How you can serve them and how you can overcome any barriers that might be in the way of them getting what they want. And when you come, you know, wholeheartedly from the pers- their perspective and their shoes and communicate as if you're them and really be honest from that standpoint, you know, I think people can pick up on that. They know that you're sincere uh, and, and you're, and you you're can't, on you side. can't lie to them. The quick, the quickest, the quickest way to destroy a relationship with a client or potential client is for them to find out that you told them some half truth or something that, you know, you shot from the hip and you didn't really know and you gave them an answer and it wasn't true. Um, so, so you have to give them the respect of giving them an honest, I don't know if you don't know the answer, or giving them a hard truth. I understand that you want full custody of your son. I understand, uh, you know, this is what it would take to get there. And from what you've told me, um, your case might not be a good candidate for, for full custody. You know, so, so sometimes you got to tell them what they don't want to hear, um, and they will appreciate you for it later on when they haven't expended resources um, fighting, you know, an, a battle that was a losing battle to start. Most of the time, they'll appreciate that. <laughs> 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 Except for the ones that are like, all right, pal, well, I'm just going to go call other lawyers until they tell me what I want to hear. <laughs> yeah, and th- I mean, that happens, but I-, I don't know what the actual percentage is, but wiser and older attorney than me once said, it's it's 5% of your clients that give you 90% of the trouble and anxiety that you will have in your practice. And it's true. And better to let a client go in the second or third conversation when you realize that this person's looking for a yes man than to, you know, endure the stress of, you know, three calls a day and, 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 uh, you know, infinite trouble with a know-it-all client. Yeah. Um, so we, I mean, we have unfortunately had to let go clients that because we were the cheap option, you know, took, took too much liberty with that and and abuse the communication on weekends or late at night and and it's it's unfortunate and it's not you know what we're looking to do but it it does happen and and it, that's up to you to define the boundaries as well mm-hmm. um for yourself especially with yeah. especially with the leads you know if the sometimes a lead will come in at 9:15 at night and and it's right on the cusp do i call and 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 now the boundaries ruined forever you know they're going to think i'm available at 9:15 or or do i want to get take this lead right now cuz it's got the best chance of of um you know, converting if I call it right now. So, you know, in that situation, usually I call, I say, look, it's, it's late. I'm trying to trying to get, get the family to bed, but why don't we talk at 10 o'clock tomorrow? You know, I'll do that yeah. quick type of 
type of introductory call if I can, you know, and I, and I can't always, unfortunately. Of course. And you don't always need to either. You know, that's, that's uh, making that call and, and looking at your own personal. And, and, I, and I think this also goes back to what we talked about earlier, where it's, you know, if you have your own boundaries, it's not just about selling them. It's it's you really listening and getting a sense for whether, do I want to work with this person? And, and sometimes it's saying no. And when you're also kind of qualifying them and deciding if you want to work with them, there's a certain degree of not just trying to convince them, but also needing to hear that this is a good fit for you too. And there's that finding that nice balance where you want to serve them, but you may or not be a good fit. And you, and you both need to get to a, a meeting of the minds on whether that, uh, that fit is there or not. I assume that most of the unbundled customers are either small firm or self-employed solos. That might not be true, but as every one of my colleagues in that situation will tell you, you have to you have to find a work-life balance because it's three jobs. It's 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 marketing, it's sales, it's sales and marketing, it's business and management, and it's doing the legal work. We have been talking mostly about the sales and marketing um, aspect of how do I actually close these leads. There's also, I mean, Unbundled touches all of these areas. You know, there's the business decision of do I want this? Do I want these leads to keep going? Am I getting my money's worth out of these leads? Um, I think the answer to that is yes, uh, at least for our firm. There's the sales and marketing aspect is, is this putting out the right image for my firm? Is it a good thing that I'm taking leads? Is it a bad thing? Uh, that I'm taking leads? Am I getting the right type of work, getting in front of the right type of judges? Um, and then there's the actual legal work. Is, does this legal work interest me? Am I, do I feel like I'm making the world a better place like we talked about with the Peace Corps? Do I feel like I'm, you know, is this, is this what I would want to do? Am I, am I actually helping people? Am I in this for the right reasons? And it's incredibly rewarding to be in this small firm environment, you know, where we constantly wrestle with these questions. It's incredibly rewarding. And for us, at least, Unbundled's been, been helped us grow um, and helped us um, because it sustains the practice with this regular work that allows us to go out and do other things as well. And I would absolutely recommend it for a young, small firm. Um, and I think that's basically what I'm just, you know, I, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say, but, but I, there, there's these, there's these, the marketing, there's the business and there's the legal, these unbundled leads touch on all of those things. I think they've improved the firm in all of those areas. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, we we certainly have a lot of uh, younger attorneys, new attorneys, solo practice, smaller firms that, but then we've got some, you know, attorneys that have been practicing for 50 years, 30 years, 20 years, you know, and I think it really comes down to, you know, it's a lot of things, but I think most importantly, the underlying philosophy, I think of most attorneys that we work with, 95 plus percent of them is, hey, you know, we really want to help folks that otherwise couldn't get help through the traditional firm. And I think smaller firms and solar practitioners have a little bit more leeway in order to be more creative and be more flexible and make decisions on the fly and you know take a different business model, look at a marketplace that we're in now, see where the majority of folks are and, and then start serving that region. And also, sure. you know, are compassionate and, and want to serve people in a way that, you know, a lot of other attorneys are unwilling to. So I think that's certainly an underpinning of I think all the attorneys you work with. I mean it's just they at the end of the day, they you know, I think every lawyer wants really wants to help people, but you know, not every lawyer is willing to adapt their business model and and push the boundaries on what they might feel comfortable with to be able to serve people that otherwise couldn't get help. And you talk well, about Yes, yeah, certainly the family law, this is where the people who need help are. Um, I mean, maybe also criminal law, but, but this, is, this is a do-gooders section of the law. 
um, and and figuring out how to get paid and support a practice on it is uh, certainly a challenge. Other attorneys, you know, if they take a ten thousand dollar retainer on a divorce, I look at that as helping me out. They're advertising for me by by ch- charging what they charge. A lot of these things don't require that, um, but is what it is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I think that's a good place to you know pretty much wrap up. I think you know maybe the last thing I'll ask uh, I'll ask you is just kind of an open ended question. Is there anything else that uh, you've taken away from these last seven months, or anything we didn't cover today that you think uh, you might want to put out there, whether it be you know from a sales strategy, building leads, running a practice, getting a start in the practice of law, or anything else that maybe you know we, you thought we might cover today, but we didn't that you would like to put out there, um, you know, on any level that uh, you think would be helpful or that you've learned in the process. Well, I've learned a lot, um, and as anyone that is a lawyer knows, it, the process isn't over. Um, the law changes, and, and the clients change, and and the, the courts are busy every day. I am ex- I feel extremely lucky. Both I, I would I would want to thank my law partner if he's listening to this um, for being with me on this journey, and and. I've definitely enjoyed uh, the unbundled experience. I think it's improved my sales skills. I think it's improved my legal skills. And I think it's also improved my business management skills um, in terms of looking at cost and and uh, cost benefit and gotten me involved in, in, in business management maybe a little closer than I would have been if we hadn't done unbundled. So, so... So I, I think that it's overall been a great opportunity, and, and I look forward to continuing to get the leads, and and hopefully, you know, over the next 40 years, growing, <laughs> growing, growing something that I'm really proud of and, and uh, becoming a real asset to this community. So, so that's ultimately why we do what we do, and, you know, we've worked very hard as attorneys to get to where we are in this position in life. Um, but you know, the, the reward is that we get to work very hard and, and I think unbundled has allowed me to get to work quicker and on more interesting stuff than maybe more traditional, uh, streams of advertising revenue would have, uh, would have gotten me. So, so it's been a very positive experience. Cool. Well, I, I'm really glad to hear that, Matt. And uh, I certainly, you know, appreciate the candor with which you shared, you know, what you've learned and the the journey along the path, and certainly a lot of the tactics and strategies and ideas and philosophies that you were bringing to the table and some of the lessons you've learned. Um, this certainly is a community we're all, you know, collectively serving communities all over the United States and and pretty soon Canada as well. And collectively, we all stand to make a, a real lasting difference. And so I certainly appreciate your time contributing to this community, sharing ideas openly uh, and cooperatively. You know, that's really what makes this podcast and this community and this whole network possible is, you know, we're all sharing ideas openly and, and willingly rather than trying to, you know, keep them to ourselves and only serve and only serve our own businesses in general. So thank you for being open and willing to contribute in that way. And uh, we certainly uh, look forward to continuing to support your practice and, and helping it grow over the years to come. Absolutely, and if you have any listeners in the New York or northern New Jersey areas, uh, you can look me up. My name is Matthew Rosen. I'd be happy to speak with you. Okay, beautiful. All right, so with that, we will go ahead and wrap up. Um, for everyone else that's listening to the podcast, thanks so much for participating. Thanks so much for sharing it around with uh, fellow attorneys. That's how the podcast grows and how we reach more folks and share some of these ideas and ways in which you can serve more clients and, and be more effective in running your practice. So thank you for that. 
and we will see you all on the next episode. Thanks so much. Thank you. For more information about how our lead generation services can help you grow your practice, visit our website at www.unbundledattorney.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to subscribe so you get each new episode as soon as it's available and leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Once again, thanks for listening. Thank you.